You are listening to audio from Redeemer Church in Midland, Texas. Redeemer Church is a gospel-centered missional family. If you would like to get more information or donate to this ministry, please visit www.redeemermidland.org. Amen. Thank you, Leah. Thank you, Zach. Y'all grab a seat on this Christmas Eve. So glad that you're here. Truly honored that you came to uh, celebrate with us and to uh, worship with us. And uh, for all the kids in the room, we're really glad that you're here. So excited that you're here. Uh, we say often that we are, as a church, we're a family. We're a gospel-centered, missional family. And sometimes with family, there's kids. And sometimes those kids uh, move around and wiggle and make a lot of noise. And praise God for that. Amen. We are finishing up today, uh, this afternoon, this Christmas Eve, what we call Advent. Uh, And so basically what that means is uh, for centuries, many churches uh, have set aside the four weeks leading up to Christmas to sell about what it means or what are the implications that God has become one of us, that he sent his son, Jesus, to be born as a human. And Christmas does not just mean that Jesus came into the world. Uh, He brought some very specific things with him. He brought hope with him, uh, and there is hope now because of of Jesus. So week one, we talked about hope. Uh, week two, we talked about what it means that Jesus is the Prince of Peace and that he brought peace with him into the world, a peace that uh, surpasses our understanding and even our circumstances. Uh, and then this last Sunday, we talked about what it means to have true joy, uh, joy that is everlasting, joy that uh, is stronger than the circumstances we might find ourselves in, the financial troubles or even the physical problems. Uh, and tonight, we're going to finish this Advent season talking about love. What is it about love for humans, for people like you and me, that's so powerful? It's so, it's so strange what love can cause people to do. I don't know about you, uh, but some of the most uh, courageous uh, and stupid things that I have done were in the name of In the name of love. It can cause people to do strange things. Uh, Most people will say that it's actually even in the things that uh, we need to live, to survive. Uh, We need water. We need air. We need uh, sustenance, clothing, shelter. Uh, But to truly be healthy, we, we need love. If a baby does not have love and physical affection when they're born, within a few days their body begins to show the effects of that. Uh, and while you might say that we can remove love and still survive, uh, I would say, like, what, what, what are we surviving for? Uh, one of the reasons that we want to have food and clothing and shelter and survive is because of love. Love is what gives meaning to life. It's what is the, really the, co- the reason that we are here, the reason God um, created us. Uh, it's, we were designed by God in God's image to love and to be loved. This is why you want friends. How many of you have a friend? How many of you would like a better friend? <laughs> How many of you invited your friend and they did not come, so they're on the naughty list? We, we want friends because we want people that are going to love us and we want people that we can love. Uh, I have some incredible friends in my life uh, that even this week I've been incredibly grateful for because I love them and they love me, and it's a and special thing. This is why we seek out a spouse. Uh, how many of y'all have a spouse in the room? Okay. Uh, it's dark, so you have to cheer or something. How many of you would like a spouse? Okay, y'all meet up in the back afterwards. Uh, We'll just kind of get you all together six feet apart, of course, and uh, we'll fix that situation there. No, we we search for a spouse because we want someone that says, for the rest of my life, I want you to love me and I'm going to love you. Love drives us towards friendships, towards uh, trying to find a spouse and get married. Uh, What about kids? Uh, Love is the reason that we have kids. 
We're not just sitting around thinking, I wonder how I'm going to burn all this extra cash that I have. Although, that's what ends up happening, right? It's because, it's not because there's a gaping hole in our lives or our marriage. It's because we want someone else in our life and in our family that we can love and that can in turn love us. And for you parents in the room, you know the moment your child for the first time says the words, I love you, what does it do to you? It makes everything worth it. All of the sleepless nights, all of the dirty diapers, it makes it worth it because you have this little human that you have loved for a long time and now that love is reciprocated. There's just something about love. So why is love such a big deal? Uh, there's, science has tried for a long time to, to understand obviously things very scientific that have to do with our health, but they've studied love uh, often uh, and it's a really hard thing to define for science and yet they've, they've really studied enough to know that there's some pretty profound found effects, uh, and uh, I, I read some things this week from a man named Richard Schwartz, uh, who is on staff at Harvard Medical School, and he says, we know this about love, that it can physically change the levels of dopamine uh, in your brain, serotonin, and oxytocin, which have some uh, massive effects for uh, the well-being of, of our lives. He says, if you love, and those, uh, it changes those hormones, it helps us create bonds um, that are helpful and enjoyable uh, in life. He says it'll actually raise our immune function. We'll get fewer strokes, uh, fewer heart attacks. You live longer. You have less stress, lower depression. And so he says there's a lot of benefits to love, but he admits that science can't explain a lot about love. They know a few things that are beneficial, but science can't get to the end of why love is such a big deal for humans, enter the Bible, right? The Bible is a book about love, that it is going to share things about love, of where it comes from, how we love, how we are loved, what it means, um, that science and no other book in the history of the world or in the future is ever going to be as helpful to us to, to understand love and why it's such a big deal to us as the Bible. Um, in the Bible, the word love in some form is mentioned over 600 times. Uh, it is in the top 100 words that are used in the Bible. And these are words like God. God is used a lot. Uh, man and the word thee, right? Like these words or, 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 or thou or, or, or whatever version you use may use a different version of thee. But like the, the word love, is, it's, it's a dominant theme. And if, if the main character of the Bible is Jesus, and it is, um, then the main theme of the Bible is love. The Bible talks about love an incredible amount. It says that God is love. We just read that. We looked at that in 1 John, that God, by definition, is love. And just like a, a, a couple wanting to have children so they could bring something into the world to love and be loved, God created man not because there was a deficiency or he was lacking something or missing something, but because he had love to share. And so he created humanity so that we might love and be loved. And Jesus boils down all of the commandments, and if, you're, if you've been around church or, or the Bible much at all, then you know this. Um, there are ten big commandments that we have. We call them the Ten Commandments, uh, and the Old Testament has literally hundreds of other commandments of things to do and not to do, um, but someone tried to, to, to trap Jesus one day, and they asked him what the most important of all the commands were, and Jesus boiled them down to two things, and what he is doing is he is 
trying to, to help us understand what is the best way for us to use our life and our time and what should we chase and what, should, what is the most important thing for us to try to accomplish with our life. And Jesus said this, this is the greatest two commandments, to love the Lord your God and to love others. He, he summed the entire purpose of our existence into this idea of love, that we exist to try to accomplish this, to love God and to love others. Uh, we measure things in, in units. I know you know this. You pick one thing, and normally we try to have some unit of measure uh, to measure that. Uh, we measure gasoline in gallons. Uh, we measure uh, Coke, uh, or I really, I use that generically. We measure any any carbonated beverage, right? If we're from Texas, we call it a Coke. So I'm actually referring to Dr. Pepper. But we refer to, we, we measure Coke in what? In ounces. Um, we measure oil in? Barrels. We measure coffee in? Barrels also. Um, but love is measured, and don't, don't catch this, because this is the, the point of the text that the Ellis has just read. Love is measured by sacrifice. So the greater a sacrifice that is made, it means the greater the the love that is is present. If you're willing to sacrifice for someone, that means you love them. If they've sacrificed for you, that means they love you. If you're not willing to sacrifice, that will reveal to us how we truly love someone. If we struggle to sacrifice for a spouse, probably means we really don't love them like we should. If we struggle to sacrifice for God or for the church or for our neighbor, uh, love is always measured in sacrifice. Spouses are, because of love, are willing to sacrifice for each other. I remember hearing this story. Some of y'all have heard this over the years, but uh, when my parents had just gotten married, they did not have uh, a lot of money. They didn't own a washer and dryer, so my mother went a few times a week to the laundromat in uh, Roswell, New Mexico, and uh, there's a pretty high uh, level of aliens, apparently, that were there. Uh, no, but my dad went one day, and he was just, he was terrified. He's like, this is the scariest place I've ever been, and he was in the military. Like, he was in war. And uh, so he went out that day and sold his car that meant the world to him. It was a Willis pickup. Anybody in the room know what that is? Some of y'all that know, you know, that that's a sacrifice. He sold his Willis pickup to buy my mother a washer and dryer. Why? Because he loves my mom. And love is always measured in sacrifice. Uh, parents, you know this. You love your kids, so you sacrifice for them. Uh, you give up hopes. You give up dreams. You give up uh, finances. Uh, I remember my mother going without certain things often because uh, I needed shoes for basketball uh, or whatever. I know it, I look like a basketball player. <laughs> Uh, just parents, because we love our kids, we're willing to, to sacrifice things so that they might have something better or, or sacrifice our lifestyle so that we can send them to college. Um, soldiers, uh, our country is, is free because there have been some soldiers throughout uh, many generations that loved their families and their, and their spouses and their kids and their country enough uh, to make the ultimate sacrifice for us. Uh, this is in all of the movies that we love. Uh, why is it that love measured by sacrifice is such a powerful thing to humanity? And if you think about the movies that you love, I was just looking at this um, this week, the movies we love, there's always an element of love, and that's almost always communicated by sacrifice. Uh, Obi-Wan did what? 
He sacrificed his life for Luke, and we love it, and there's something powerful about that story. On Schindler's List, if you haven't seen that, you should. Oscar Schindler was willing to sacrifice out of love, and that becomes this story that just grips our heart like nothing else can. Uh, Fellowship of the Ring, do y'all remember when Boromir was sacrificing himself and taking all the arrows and leaning up against a tree so that he could, he could call and, and save these little hobbits? Almost every story uh, that grabs our attention and our heart has to do with love that is measured by sacrifice. We were soldiers, the Patriot, the greatest movie ever made, Braveheart. Thank you. Not just realistic movies. Anybody in the room ever seen Big Hero 6? I, I saw this uh, years ago, and do you remember when Baymax sacrificed himself, and we're weeping and crying. It's like it's not even a person. It's a made-up character in a movie, uh, Inside Out. You remember when Bing Bong uh, sacrifices himself, or Guardian of the Galaxies, Groot, We Are Groot, anyone? Tell me you weren't deeply moved by that because of some sacrifice that was made out of love. Love is always measured in sacrifice. So the greater the sacrifice, it means the greater the love, or the greater the capacity for love, um, the greater capacity for sacrifice. Let me read a few verses for you because this is how the Bible talks about God's love. So we're, we're humans. We have a, a deep, innate need and desire to love and to be loved. And yet at Christmas time, we're not even celebrating that. What mainly we're celebrating is the love that God has for us that's measured and sacrifice. John chapter 15, verse 13, it's on the screen here in front of you. Jesus himself, God incarnate in the flesh, said this, greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. He said, you, you can go look and you're not going to find a greater love than someone that has sacrificed their life because love is measured in sacrifice and the greatest sacrifice we have to give is what? It's our, it's our very life. He says, you're not going to get better than that. In Ephesians chapter 5, you thought you were coming for a Christmas Eve sermon, but husbands, uh, you have come for a marriage seminar as well. Very short one. Paul says this, husbands, love your wives. How? as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. He says, husbands, you need to love, and that love needs to be coupled with sacrifice. Why? Because our model is Jesus. Jesus loved us enough to give himself up to sacrifice. What about Romans chapter 5, verse 8? Paul says this, for God shows, God demonstrates. That it, he doesn't say God tells us. He says, God shows his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God could have just written it in the sky in clouds that just said, I love you, but instead he decided to demonstrate his love for us, and he did it through sacrifice because love is always measured in sacrifice. 1 John 3.16 says this, by this, we know love. It's like, how do we even know what, what love is? You kind of know it when you see it, but it's so hard to define it sometimes. And, and, and the Apostle John says this, by this, we know love, that he, Jesus, laid down his life for us. How can you be convinced in a world that throws a lot of things your way, how can you be convinced that God loves you? He says, look at Jesus. He would not have sacrificed Jesus for you if he was not driven by love. 
Love is always measured in sacrifice. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. Now, this is written inside a Christian context of Christians loving each other like family, like brothers and sisters. And he says, we only do that because we learn to love from Jesus, sacrificing himself for us. And John 3.16, probably the most famous verse in all of the Bible, says this, For God so loved the world that he, what? That he gave. That he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. His love was not just stated, it was demonstrated by sacrifice. And so the heart of Christmas, I want to share real quick before I jump in uh, to 1 John 4. I want to share with you what really the heart of Christmas is, is not so that we can understand what the heart of Christmas is because a lot of times the secondary things that, that, that is what our, our society and, and commercials and things around us are really trying to get us to, to believe that the heart of Christmas is. So the heart of Christmas is not about us having more charity towards one another. It's not about us giving to charity more or being more loving towards our kids or our spouses or our neighbors or listen to me. It's not even about us loving God. The primary message that we celebrate of Christmas is God loving us. And if we get that right, then everything else becomes natural to us because all those things are important. I think we should love each other much better. I know I should. I think we should love our neighbors better, our spouses, our kids, our enemies I think we should be more generous, give to charity more, but that's not the primary point of Christmas. The primary point of Christmas is to believe and to soak in and to be changed by a God who has demonstrated his love for you in a sacrifice that can never be rivaled. And if you believe that, if you truly believe that you have been loved in that way, I think that is the only thing that will change us enough to, lo- enough to love like we should. So all of that brings me to the text for this evening, and I know this is late. This is text actually comes at the end of the sermon, not at the beginning. 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. This is Christmas. This is the advent of love, or what does it mean that Jesus has brought love? Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God, and anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. And in this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. And here it is. In this is love, not that we have loved God. Like this is the advent of Jesus and the advent of, of Christmas is not about us trying to love better. It's about the way that God has loved us. It says, he says in verse 10, in this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us first. And he sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. That means Jesus, that means Jesus lived a perfect life, died a sinless death, and, and paid a price for our sins that he didn't deserve. Beloved, and, and listen, if we believe that and embrace that, it, it has a tendency to change us. He says, if you believe that it wasn't that we loved God, but that he loved us, and you embrace that, what happens? Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. 
for Christmas this year, we could talk about how we need to love each other more and how we need to do better with our neighbors and do better with our friends and our family. Um, but I wanted to share a couple stories that I think put a correct spin on, on Christmas for us that we need to really take some time and just simply be the recipients of love. You'll see a picture here on the screen of a man named John R. Fox. He was a Buffalo soldier. Uh, some of y'all will know what that is. Uh, in 1944 in World War II, and he was defending this city that the Germans were attacking, and he was uh, a, a, a few miles ahead of his unit, and all of the German troops surrounded him, and his unit was pretty far back, and he was the one that was supposed to uh, look on a map and call in airstrikes and air attacks of this, like, uh, this artillery, and he realized that all all of his men were so far back and he was so much encompassed by the Germans that he called in an artillery strike on his location. And I remember reading that the radio operator came back and said, uh, John, you know that that's where you are. And he said, yeah, this is the only way that y'all are going to get out alive. And so he calls a strike and they send all this artillery in and, just, and they flatten the place along with uh, John R. Fox. And oftentimes when, when we share these stories, at least for me, when I hear stories like this, I think about what would, what, what would I have been like if I was John R. Fox? Could I have done that? Could I have been courageous and, and sacrificial and loving enough to do that? But for tonight, I don't want to talk about him, although he's, he's an incredible man with such an incredible legacy. What would it have been like to be one of those other soldiers that was alive because someone else sacrificed their life for you. What would it have been like to know that you're simply breathing because someone else had enough love and sacrifice? What about this gentleman on the screen? His name is Maximilian Kolb. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly, but everybody say hi, Max. Max was a Polish Man, he was actually a priest, and in 1941 he was captured and he was sent to Auschwitz. And uh, during this, his time at Auschwitz, what the Nazis would do is if someone either uh, attempted to escape uh, or actually escaped, then they would kill 10 inmates trying to obviously keep people from escaping. Uh, and in July, in 1941, uh, someone escaped, and so they lined up 10 men uh, for execution, and one of them was not Max. Um, but Max recognized and knew one of the men named, named Frank. That's not his name, but that's uh, to keep from uh, messing up his name. We'll call him Frank. Frank was in that line, was sobbing because he has a wife and a child, and Max asked the, the commandant if he could trade places, and the man said yes, and so uh, Frank steps out of the line, Max steps into the line, and they all go off to their death. And so, you know, I don't want to ask this evening what it would be like to be Max and if we would have done the same thing. What I want to ask is what would it have been like to be Frank? To know that you're alive because someone else loved you enough to sacrifice their life in your place. And so for Advent, when we talk about love this evening, there is a God who created humanity. The Bible is clear about that. He created people with the unique ability to worship and to respond and to love because we were made in God's image and he looks down and uh, sin has just destroyed his creation that he loves. Sin and rebellion is rampant. With it comes pain and death and hurt and sorrow and depression and all the things that, that hurt us that we hate. God hates them more. And he looked down with love and with compassion 
And he decided he would send his own son to become one of us, to become like us, to be born in a very humble way in a Bethlehem, in a manger in Bethlehem. And Jesus would live a perfect life and would die a death that he didn't deserve. And God was demonstrating his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. What would it look like for someone like you and like me to sit and to ponder and to think and to put ourselves in the place that God puts us, that he has sacrificed, the, there's not a sacrifice greater in the history of the world that could ever be made than the sinless, spotless Son of God being crucified naked on a cross in public. And he has done that for us, and we should feel this immense weight of love. And as we embrace that and believe that and feel that, that love, the fact that God has loved you that much should change us from the inside out. That alone should cause us to love God and to love our neighbors as we should. But it all stems from embracing the reality that God is love, that he sent Jesus And that should change us forever. And that's what I pray that happens uh, with us daily, that we remember the sacrifice that Jesus made for us as he demonstrated his love to us, that we would embrace it, enjoy it, and live our lives from it to love God and to love others. Let me invite you to bow your head, to close your eyes where you're at, and let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we don't love you as we should But God, you love us more than we could ever imagine. Father, this Christmas, I'm reminded that it is not that we loved you, but that you loved us before we ever even thought of you. Father, I pray for each one in the room, from the oldest to the youngest, this Christmas Eve, that we would believe your words, that we would feel even in the depth of our soul that that you sacrificed yourself for us, that you did something that was seemingly unnecessary, unheard of, that the Son of God stepped off his throne, became a human, laid down his life for us so that you might bring us in and adopt us into your family. God, help us to focus on that and to think about that and to ponder on that until it changes us. Jesus, we love you, we thank you, we praise you. God, we want to be a people that are marked with love for everyone around us, so may you start inside of our hearts and work your love from the inside out. Thank you for this time that we have together, and I pray this all in the beautiful, powerful, and loving name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Redeemer Church. If you want to connect with us at Redeemer, we would love for you to visit us at a service in person or visit us online at www.redeemermidland.org.